0: Greetings, and welcome. Welcome to Half-Blind Hecklers, episode 22. Today is going to be a bit of a radical episode, but it needs to be said. It needs—it certainly needs to be said. Today's topic, supporting the lockdown is sinful. I'm going to say it. Other people are too afraid to, and I'm going to go into why. Why, up? Opposing the lockdown is the only moral choice, and you should be calling out and you should be rebuking those who support the lockdown. Half blind hecklers, even though we've been we're now twenty two episodes in, we haven't really dabbled in the area of theology. We haven't really gone there yet. But I've I've met stiff opposition from from Christians. We're like, no, 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 we can't. We can't oppose this. The Bible says that we have to support our government. We can't can't resist against them. Is that what the Bible truly says? Is that what it truly says? Most people, when they're talking about obedience to government, they talk about Romans 13. Romans 13 is very specific. It says that God put in place every leader. But... There's, there's something that a lot of people are ignoring. Yes, of course, chapter 13 is uh, it's Paul teaching the Roman Christians the appropriate response to an unyielding government. Now, of course, in ancient Rome, the Romans might kill them for resisting. And he is also teaching, in general, the correct way for a Christian to engage in such a difficult situation. That appropriate response is love. It's kindness. It's the fruits of the Spirit. It's an effort made towards peace rather than violence. But that does leave room for what's called, what some might label, righteous resistance. Now, of course, does God... As many believe, Romans 13, 1-2 says, that God personally appoints each and every leader. And if you think about it, the answer appears to be no. Think about the Israelites in Egypt. They fought against Pharaoh's rule. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow to an idol. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. And nearly every one of the prophets in the ancient times disobeyed their rulers. And then, of course, there was Jesus, who constantly criticized the decisions of the Sanhedrin, even going so far as to calling them snakes. And after the death and resurrection, the disciples were ordered by their rulers to stop spreading Christ's teachings, but refused, subverting the desires of those rulers at every opportunity. Paul, when he was imprisoned, he didn't really have any real issues with escaping. The Bible is rife with all sorts of resistance, with with examples of resistance against corrupt rulers. And all of those examples were sanctioned by God. Therefore, we can surmise that simply because a ruler is in power does not mean that God wants them to stay there. God allows them to rule, but doesn't necessarily appoint them or endorse their actions. Of course, you can point to more recent examples. North Korea, Stalin, Hitler. You would never obey these people. That wouldn't be the love that Paul writes about in verse 8. That wouldn't be biblical. It wouldn't be an example of God's character. You would resist because that would be the only good and righteous choice in our contemporary society we of course face a very different rule a very different world than that of the roman christians we can protest we can speak out we can march and sometimes if the rulers are corrupt we can be arrested and sent to jail for what we believe So God, Paul does not write in Romans to command unquestioning obedience to whatever power Christians happen to fall under, because humans, when they instill powers, are fallible and sometimes need to be changed. Rather, Paul wrote to remind Christians to always respect the concept of authority, because we are not anarchists. When we resist, we resist people, not the authority that they represent, because authority and the government is represented is needed for a human society to function. That's why God put it in place. So, of course, what does holy resistance look like? It comes from a place of love. Love pushes just enough to create positive change. Anger pushes us past that point in order to punish and satisfy itself. Of course, you can see an example of anger. Anger being the marches that for the Black Lives Matter or Antifa. They're not trying to create a change because they they love others, and they want to create a better world, they want to destroy because they've been told that they need to be anger, that they need to be angry, and that they need to to force that change upon an unwilling world. And so when we resist authority, we must not have harm in mind, but help, but assistance. You protest to make life better for those negatively affected by country's leaders. You march to ways awareness of misconduct and corruption, and to show younger generations that this conduct is wrong, despite it coming from a position of authority and a government leader. When you do these things out of love, change happens. When you do these things out of anger, you'll be met with equal anger and possibly force. God is the ultimate authority. That is, of course, undisputed. And while human authorities may ultimately corrupt or inept, we are given leave to change these authorities. And when absolutely necessary, to completely change the systems they control. We must not have a spirit of rebellion leading to anarchy. So as a Christian, if you disagree with the way that United States, Canada, or whatever your country may be, is being led, or individual rulers, be it state, or local, or provincial, do something about it, but do it in love. Do it with the idea, with the notion that authority itself is a godly concept. Do it with the idea that if your cause is righteous and comes from the correct place, God desires that you do it. And God desires that you be bold and speak out about it. So, if that is your goal, and if that is your desire, resist. If resistance is on your heart, you may just be the change that God wishes. Now, if we're going to talk about... Now, of course, we must all resist in love. What is that resistance? We, already, we went over what that resistance looks like. Now we have to go over why resistance is the only proper course of action. Because these lockdowns, these laws, these infringements on our rights, on our liberties, they have to stop. Rights and liberties were things given to you by God because we are all created in the image of God. God does not want corrupt rulers to continue to force it. To continue to reign over people because we, we lack the ability to stop them. The lockdowns, if you look at them from a purely statistical basis, the lockdowns have had a net zero effect on coronavirus infections. The areas with the strictest lockdowns often have the worst per capita fatality rates. The areas with the strictest mask bylaws, the strictest, the most highly enforced mask usage, also have the highest per capita fatality rates. So you have to question are these in place for public safety? Are they in place so that we can become a safe, prosperous, free, and flourishing society? of course the answer has to be no it's not the masks were not put in place for your safety if that was actually the case if the masks were put in place for your safety if the lockdowns were put in place for your safety they would have made no exception for the marches for black Lives matter people say often that we have to trust the the medical experts trust the leaders Yet it was exactly those leaders who actually said that if you are protesting, then that's not going to spread the virus. It's actually safer to protest than to stay at home. And being silent on the protest is spreading the virus. Because of the distinct and, frankly, preposterous politicization of this virus, we have to insinuate, we have to take... The necessary steps to conclude that lockdowns and bylaws, when it comes to this particular virus, for coronavirus, in 2020, it is sinful to comply. Not just because they have a net zero and they're affecting our freedoms, but that the lockdowns will, and many have concluded this, the lockdowns will cause millions more lives than the coronavirus itself. There was a study, there was a a result that was published today. In the United States, 25% of those 18 to 24 have considered suicide. Suicide numbers, even though they're not publicly available, suicide numbers will likely far outstrip coronavirus deaths. And because of the loss of the global economy, we already went over this in episode 3. If you cared to watch it. Episode 3, we went over how there will likely be tens if not hundreds of millions of excess deaths due to starvation because of the global economy's inability to meet the famine. To meet the locust plague. It is unchristian to allow this to continue. It is unchristian to say, no, we have to be safe, we have to keep ourselves safe, everyone else... Like, they can fend for themselves. That is unchristian. It is unchristian to say, I want to protect myself so that many can die. Now, of course, there are going to be those who are at higher risk of coronavirus. Of course, it is proper to protect them. But by any statistical analysis, for the majority of the population, this is, it will either have a net net zero effect on you, Or that you will have a flu for a week. That is the effect for 99.5% of the population and especially those under 50. We can no longer abide and especially now that they are saying well like yes you can go to Walmart, you can go to superstore, you can go get your alcohol, you can go get your weed but you can't go to church. I already said something about, on Tuesday, about John MacArthur saying, No, enough is enough. God is the ultimate authority, and you cannot restrict us. And no matter what you do, because we are doing it out of love, because we are doing it out of a heart of subservience, and a heart that is seeking towards God, and we seek to help, not harm, that we are righteously purposed. In that mission. The purpose of church, as Christians, the purpose of church is community. What community is there, if you're just watching the service online? And of course, many aren't. If we want the church as a whole, not just individual churches, if we want the church as a whole to survive, then we must say, go back to church. We must. It is sinful not to. It is sinful to abide by the continuing protocols that the government has in place. On Tuesday, we also looked at where the lockdowns would go if we allow them to continue, if we allow it to spread unhindered. Every state in the world, aside from Sweden, will look like Australia. They'll look like Canada where if you don't get your immunization you'll be you'll be forcibly quarantined your home You'll be put in a remand center We must accept and we must spread the idea that accepting the government overreach in this area Is sinful and that while we cannot resist in terms of violent resistance unless people are being harmed. But that's different. But we cannot accept things as they are. We cannot say, okay, I'm going to be silent, I'm going to shut my mouth. Politics is... I'm not brave enough for politics. It's no longer an issue of being brave. It's no longer an issue of personal account. It's now an issue of personal accountability. It's now an issue where if you continue to comply, you are willingly engaging in sin. The government's goal has not been for public safety. We went over that several episodes about the medical council culture about how vaccines are the goal, not treatment, when treatment is way more effective. Standing by is no longer, unac- is no longer acceptable. And I can no longer support anyone who continues to support the lockdowns. I call on you, feather fellow believers, if those you know continue to support the lockdowns, rebuke them in love. For they are sinning. Because this is no longer a lockdown. In the in the beginning, we were all like, okay, like we have to do we have to acknowledge that we don't know things and we're gonna wait until we receive more data. The data is now available. It's widely available. Anybody with the internet and the ability to do proper research knows that all of this has been not for public safety, but it has been to implement a new ideal of government power, of government control over our lives. The fact that it is easier To go buy alcohol and to go to a casino than to go to church should make that evidently clear. So I call upon you as believers, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, resist in love, rebuke those in love, and together. We can form a movement which can change the world. Which can save the world. Please. Help others in love to see the light. That's about it. We love others as He has loved us. And we will not be silenced. But we will rise up with one voice and say, God is above all. God is the ultimate authority, not man. That's pretty much the end of the episode. Uh, If you're on... I'm pretty much abandoning Facebook. It's not really accomplishing anything. Uh, If you're on YouTube, please like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you're on Parler, upvote, echo, follow. And... Comment, of course. Because we like to engage with you guys. Even if we disagree. It's, It's interesting to see other other opinions, and if you think that what I'm saying is theologically out to lunch, then go for it. I'll be happy to, to try and defend that. If you want to support our movement, then we welcome you. But, anyways, I hope you enjoyed the episode, I hope you enjoyed listening, watching, however you inputted that feed i guess and i hope you all have a great weekend and good night and god bless